Chapter 7, Reflection With water at my window and in my consciousness, the space arises to see beyond boundaries. The vision of beyond boundaries emerged long before the more well-known year-long intergenerational pilgrimage of eight in 2009. The first time I remember using these words was perhaps when I saw Andre Orloff's woman-baby dolphin drawing shown earlier. Being part of water births, along with extended time in water, lured by the dolphins into the ocean, opened a gateway to a consciousness I actually find hard to put words to. The legend of the golden dolphin did a far better job than I, and that was an oral transmission with a few words, pictures, offered years back by Peter, as also shared in pages earlier. A weaving of both ancient and modern stories, awakened by a visceral experience of freedom, wholeness, the feminine, our connection to the stars, our connection to each other, our life as water beings on a water planet. A love field was present or perhaps created each time Peter opened the silver trunk filled with a myth, a dreaming, a confirmation for me of a way of life I had stumbled, if not swam, into. Those listening wanted to be there, remembered they are there in a moment of grace and longed to stay there. Many attempts were made to capture the legend, if not Peter as well, in books, in film, in song. And he gently, consistently said no. Receive what is here for you and live your love and truth. Follow the dolphin trail and see if life isn't more beautiful, playful, free, inspiring, whole. More perhaps of what you are seeking filled with more love, more magic. Anyone could fill in the words, and still many could not resist their desire, if not need, to capture the legend like a dolphin, like we do sometimes with a partner we love, put it in our control, in a tank, in a book, in a box. So funny, ironic maybe, that the message of freedom Freedom from fear, freedom in love, in the sacred water of life, the best message I have ever heard or experienced, came not through the hugs of Amachi, or the gurus, or the kiss of the Dalai Lama, or even the prayer of the Kogi, or the silence of a Sashin. It came through a box, through a story, through a legendarian a pretty, humble, Australian, white man who had opened himself to such a message, inspired by the birth of his daughter, the pregnancy and birth-giving of his partner, Jan. Here was a man who gave birth to something other than a human in a way that elicited love like a newborn baby can. This, for sure, gave me some sense of belonging, to both the message and the messenger, to the water and to the dolphin, to the dream and to the prayer of joy, community, 
local, global, intergalactic, certainly beyond the boundaries of my early culture, maybe more akin to the perspectives of my earlier ancestors, or perhaps more akin to the future beings to be born. Now, some 40 years later, I look back on my life of interpersonal, international, and interspecies relations. I can witness the first decade as an adult where my care for our world was expressed in being part of international aid. Yes, we offered appropriate technologies. Yes, I focused on channeling resources and money to women. And yes, I looked at how to empower, and we called the organizations we worked with our sister research institutes. Still, it did not take too long to see that it was a patriarchal paradigm and all about us helping them. A power over, motivated by funders looking to westernize the world to our own advantage. What's that saying? Good intentions aren't enough. Then, some years of doubt followed. Dissent, despair, not knowing what to do, how to love, how to express care, how to be with privilege. Asking again, how to be part of the healing. And I found the Ojai Foundation. I found citizen diplomacy. I found counsel, a deeper way of practice, a call to live in the way of counsel. I found guidance from my ancestors in my bones, inspiration with the stars, and home in the water. Rites of passage, self-generated ceremonies for life and death, and more gifted to us by indigenous healers and spiritual teachers. I rediscovered nature as guide and inspiration and let go of the human-centric focus. I found the power and grace of and in surrender and service. Heart-to-heart exchanges led to partnerships and partnerarchy as a way of thinking, dreaming, and living. Living beyond boundaries became more available inside and outside of myself. I followed a call to dolphin dreaming places guided by some Aboriginal elders. I followed a call deep inside to caves, to mountains, to holy lands not on any maps. I found song and song lines. I began to sing again, to find voice where I'd given it up, to find what was needed, started to arrive rather than needing to struggle so much to find it. And still, as one old grandmother said, don't worry, dear, it only gets harder. Ha! Oh no, you might say, but I have found her words true in a way. The grace, however, is, as it gets harder, what comes is what is needed to be with it. To be with whatever comes seems to more readily appear. 
The power of prayer is alive and well in me and in this world. The tremendous difficulties being faced personally and planetarily are sometimes, I think, a gateway to realize such, to learn such. Four days fasting in the high desert, in the Sinai, or a more remote part of the big island, Hawaii, all have offered me the courage, the confirmation, the inspiration, the messages, if not the vision I need. Every year since 1978, if not for four days, then for one, if not for one, then for three, if not far off in Death Valley, then close to home on a nine-by-nine-foot round island within three creeks. I fast. I rest in silence. I sit in a death lodge. I pray. Wynne and I kid about me going out in such a way too often or for too long. For the download of pictures, dreams, ideas, and knowings that survive the days of physical discomfort I always experience are almost too much to carry. I need perhaps a few more lifetimes to manifest. It was on such an outing in 2007, if I remember it right, that the Beyond Boundaries pilgrimage came into my heart-mind. Yesterday, we said goodbye to Sifnos and our hosts, Giannis and Marie. Our moments together, though few, had been loving, truthful, an exchange of gifts, interventions with that brother, crossing paths in the chapel, sharing of stories at sea, and of course, not to forget those traditional almond cookies. Now, in the parking lot, he, Giannis, at age 65, confessed that he had spent 25 years aboard an oil tanker as an engineer. A lot of it offshore, L.A., San Pedro. The confession was that he had not loved many of the Americans he met, and he wanted to say how different he felt we were. Without too many details, he said he just liked being around us. Actually, having us around things felt good. We had heard this the day before, Constantino at the store comparing us to the French. Stereotypes were alive and well. We received the acknowledgement, and very quickly we all moved to that truth, that there are, of course, good people everywhere, and that we can find them, be them, see them, and even grow them. Giannis said he went to the chapel every day. Not that he believed. He actually said he did not. But maybe, well, maybe it helped him be a better person. It left us thinking, do we? Do I believe in prayer? I found myself resonant with Giannis for sure. I find simply when I live in prayer, I feel more love for myself, for others, and for this earth. For sure, prayer has helped me face the challenges, be with my partner, with my people, with any people. When in prayer, I feel more connected, remembering those things like interdependence, gratitude, and love. In prayer, I can go a layer deeper 
and find some more truth and feeling about a situation, a person, or even a place. I guess I find it a state of being that is healthier, more whole, more present. And then there are those prayers, those pleas, and those intentions, and those wishes. Do I believe there is more of a chance if I ask for something to come? Is there something, someone, spirit, God, to actually respond? Or is it more about the state of being that I enter and what then becomes possible? There are many people to write and speak about prayer far better than I. What I want to share here today is that what I call prayer, living in the state of pretty continuously, not just on Sundays, this state of consciousness, maybe that is simply available to us. I am most grateful for it. It arrives naturally when I arrive at a place, when it is time to leave, when I prepare, offer, receive a gift, when someone is born, hurt, ill, or dying. It is there when I am scared, even when I am angry. It enters perhaps not as quickly as I might like, but sooner and sooner it seems as I age, or maybe sooner and sooner as I cultivate a relationship to prayer. When I set an intention to travel well, to be in a clear, receptive, open heart mind, such words become like guardians, guiding my way. When I make an invocation to feel gratitude or have strength, yep, I feel it comes. Maybe not all on the timetable I had hoped, but nonetheless, I do experience a response call and response. Conscious choice to enter love, that is. No need to fall in love. I remember when I had this wart on the brain, a pituitary tumor, the doctors named it, as shared earlier. There was such a pressure to operate immediately as I had lost some of my eyesight due to pressure on the optic nerve. Every day, the doctor said, I was risking it all. Yes, Anne. I walked with prayer each day, asking for where to be and what was mine to do yet again. Research options, enter sweat lodges offered, change my diet, visit a holistic clinic, and receive the treatment they offered. Follow a synchronistic call to be with John of God in Brazil. Meet with different surgeons and discover less invasive procedures. Be with my fear and ask more deeply what still needed healing in my life. The biggest prayer time of all perhaps came near the end of the nine months. I decided to go with Wynne out to Death Valley and fast for three days in our way of ceremony. There in places where nature is far more in charge than humans, I felt and feel my conversations with spirit, with God, with mystery, with mother, with self, are most available. 
I wanted to confirm my decision to have surgery, to do it in L.A. with Dr. Shahinian, a quite controversial Iranian surgeon that I had found offered the least invasive procedure. I wanted to tend to perhaps my biggest fear of all, surrender to Western medicine, although his ancestral roots were quite far from the U.S. or Europe. I wanted to find trust, faith in my choice, comfort rather than the age-old trauma when entering a hospital. I wanted prayer, ceremony, love to accompany me. In the days that followed, there may have been no burning bushes on the mountain, yet there were continual responses. An old-time friend who I had first called when diagnosed. He had been through a rare form of brain cancer and surgery related to the eyes. I can't even recall what. I just knew he was the one to call. He had led me to a ceremony and people I needed to meet in a short exchange. And now, nine months later, he checked in. He was flying into L.A. for two days and arriving the night before my surgery. Of course, we would meet. All three of us could have supper somewhere, not far from our hotel. Driving to L.A. was a stress I had not envisioned, a monsoon kind of weather day slowing all traffic to a standstill. I found myself anxious at best and nervous in my pre-op phone call with Shahinian. Look, he said, I've performed hundreds of these. Trust me, you're going to be fine. How can he know, my intelligentsia responded. Nonetheless, his confidence was reassuring. When I had told him during our last month visit that I was in doubt, shaken by other doctors and people I knew in L.A. saying bad things about him, he had listened quietly. He said he knew. And I said, how would you feel if you had been told never to trust this doctor, that he was in it for the money, and that there were far better, more reliable neurosurgeons to choose? Shahinian said, look, I'll do the surgery for you for free, if that will help. Well, you can imagine that was a deal sealer for me. The gift economy was alive and well, even in this world, which I had distanced myself from for so long. I ended up paying Shahinian his surgical fees. The money was not the point. I even ended up bearing witness to him with the AMA. His medical and national background, along with his ego, I imagine, and less invasive procedure, had raised a lot of suspicions, jealousy, and accusations. Most likely some opinions well-founded, while others not. But the bottom line for me was simply to know Being with him was my path. This was the operation I was to do, and this was to be my doctor. That last phone call along Route 1 near Malibu was one more confirmation. And getting to see Robert was another. 
coming full circle after nine months with him as some kind of guardian angel. With more and more rain and traffic delays, we called and said, Look, let's just meet at the hotel. There must be a restaurant there. An hour later, we met in the lobby and walked into the only restaurant. Its name? Gigi's. Now, you might laugh at the idea that this was another confirmation from Spirit, yet that was for sure the way I took it. Our waiter was another guardian angel throughout our time, and the breadcrumbs along the trail continued. The surgery was a success, the pain minimal. I was in and out of the hospital in two days. Sitting up for a month in bed was a stretch into a new kind of waking dream. I could go on, but suffice it to say that it was kind of all a dream experience. Truly, on a very real level. We might hear or read life is but a dream, what we imagine it to be. To actually have that experience was a gift, if not a miracle, and my willingness to trust another with my life was somehow part of it all. I trusted myself and Wynne just enough during those nine months to agree to marry him. I even trusted Wynne to choose that hotel before my surgery in L.A., knowing more consciously than most nights it may have been our last one together. I trusted the doc despite the naysayers. I trusted myself to make the choice to be in the right place. I trusted maybe most of all the prayer I prayed in Death Valley to continue to be part of the healing of myself, others, and this earth, to continue in life as ceremony, to trust I could be with whatever came and find a way, my way, in service to the whole, to the soul. Do I believe in God, in prayer? Oh, what comes is simply to say thank you. We left Sifnos. We stopped at the water catchment, a steep watershed we had driven by any time we had left the village. But that last morning, yesterday, I asked Giannis about it. There were many crosses there, and one of the multitude of chapels built into the cliffside directly above it. Oh, that place, he said, used to be a rushing river. And there was even a waterfall there when I was a boy. It's been all dried up like much of this land for years. Now we have a desalinization plant, as you know, and bottled water everywhere. But, well, last year, the rains came again. Often when they come, it doesn't stop for days and the water was flowing. Maybe it will again. We said goodbye and gave gratitude for the water at this place. I did not feel I knew what to ask for. Perhaps Payahunaru. We would return there soon, and we would continue to pray 
for more places where the waters flow.